Welcome to Scale Your Business Radio with your hosts, David Finkel and Jeff Hoffman. Hi, this is David Finkel, your host here today, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Hoffman, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Priceline.com, amongst other companies. Jeff, we promised people that before we left the last segment that we're going to talk a little bit about that inside story of Priceline, drawing some of the lessons that are there for them about scaling their company. So take us back in time a little bit to way back in the days of, uh, of Walker Digital and give us the, the, the two-minute version of how the company was positioned before you even started it. And then we'll jump in and use this as a great place to talk about where do great and winning business ideas come from. And then we'll talk about this theme of how do you scale. I mean, literally, Priceline went from zero to a billion in sales in less than four years. I mean, a remarkable journey. But take us back to the very beginning. Sure. So I'll just give you kind of a summary version. As you mentioned, originally uh, there was a uh, gentleman, an inventor, I'll call him Jay Walker, who had a company called Walker Digital. The company that Jay created where all of us were initially before there was a Priceline or any of that Priceline group of companies, we were at a company called Walker Digital, which was a, I would say, think tank, but it really wasn't a think tank is a more of a traditional thing. What we were doing was constantly examining industries and looking for inefficiencies on one side of the equation, and on the other side, looking at new technologies and new business techniques and trying to find a place, a mapping between those two. What new tools and techniques, i.e. the Internet, among other things, things like auctions that you could do online, in our case reverse auctions, what new tools and techniques were constantly being birthed into the world, and what industries had inefficiencies that might be corrected or improved with new tools and techniques. And it was that constant process of looking for a mapping between new ideas and inefficient industries that led to the birth out of Walker Digital of Priceline and a series of other companies. You you talk about this idea of looking for inefficiencies. For you, when you see an inefficiency, you know, most people we see an inefficiency and we're experiencing it. We're just frustrated as, you know, as all get-go, right? The, the line that we're waiting in that seems so needless or the fact that we can't seem to find something at the best price or the fact that it seems to be so much effortful finding a vendor for this. What, why were you guys excited to find an inefficiency? Well, David, I think that you hit on a really important thing. One of the observations I've made now much later in my career is that so many of the greatest companies in the world and the ones that were able to achieve great scale and become big profitable companies were ones formed by people that encountered a problem in the world, an inefficiency in some industry, and stopped and said, you know what, instead of going home frustrated and complaining to everybody, I'm going to see if I can be the one to fix this problem. So many great companies were born of a person actually trying to solve that problem for themselves in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So now you you found an inefficiency. What was the inefficiency that you guys focused in on in the world to start Priceline? Well, there were a few. So part of at Walker Digital, part of Jay's intellectual property and the business models that we were studying, um, one of them included the fact that distressed inventory, unsold inventory, could not be retail, all retail systems, no matter what product any of our listeners sell, most of us don't sell 100% of all the product we create. So there's always products left over that retail couldn't sell, 
and you need a different method. You can't sell them off cheap to, you know, to a, an occasional customer when your platinum customers are paying you full price. You can't disrupt your own channel. So you need another method to liquidate unsold inventory. That was one of the inefficiencies we saw. And in our case, an unsold hotel room, an empty airplane seat. There's got to be you need some other system to get rid of that seat um, that is not your core retail system that will upset your high-paying regular customers. So that was one of the inefficiencies or opportunities that we discovered that there's got to be a better way to solve that problem. The other half of the equation was the fact that in online commerce, in e-commerce, the process is very seller-driven, meaning the buyer does all the work. Let me just give you a quick example, David. If you wanted to go out and buy shoes on the Internet, you've got to search every website to see who carries the ones you want. Then you've got to see who has your size. Then you've got to see who has your color. Then you have to see who has them in stock. Then you have to see what they charge for shipping. Then you have to decide, you know, finally one of these websites has what you want for you to be able to make that purchase, but you did all the work. The other inefficiency we saw was, wouldn't it be nice if you could just ask a consumer, what do you want and how much are you willing to spend, and we'll let the suppliers meet your requests instead of you doing all the work. So those were the two opportunities slash inefficiencies that we jumped on. <laughs> That's great. I can already imagine there. I'm sitting on some, next to someone on the airplane. You know, I spent $900 on a ticket. They smile and said I spent, you know, $210. And I, I would be upset with that airline if I thought that airline sold them that same ticket. So you guys provided a way, hey, it wasn't the airline's fault. It was through Priceline. And so what that did was we provided another mechanism, right, to do that. It's a great idea. And because of it, they had it was a whole different buying model with that. When you did this here, did everyone say, great idea from the very start, or did some people give you some slack? I mean, you'd share a story about how uh, one, one of the, the largest business publications, we don't have to mention a name, came down and said, this is a crazy idea. This is No one's going to want this. Tell, tell us a little bit about the initial reaction when you came up with that idea. We all know the after story. <laughs> sure. Probably everyone it's, listening uh, to this radio program has either bought tickets or bought hotels or booked a rental car at one point or another through Priceline. Uh, it's that ubiquitous. But, but tell us early on when it wasn't clear that this is going to work. It was – so there's two pieces of that. The story that you mentioned where a lot of major media, uh, even ones that I talked to myself during that time, called and said, Jeff, what are you working on now? And when I told them what we were doing at Priceline, people said, that's just a stupid idea. It doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody do that? The issue – and this is important for all of us trying to scale a business – is is listening to the actual customer instead of the people that are around you every day. By default, we listen to the people that are around us, our families, our spouses, our, our employees, everybody that we see every day is who we talk to. But if none of those represent the end user of your product or service, you might be either falsely convinced that you can scale or falsely convinced that you can't scale because you were listening to the wrong people. So, one of the things that Priceline did a good job of was getting out of the office and, and talking to the true end user to say, is this a product that really meets your needs and will a lot of you buy it? So listening to the right people was a big piece of the company's success because early on the people around us who were not the intended customer didn't get it. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can already think about that, you know, hey, if, if, 
price is not the biggest driving factor for purchasing travel because you're a business traveler, perhaps, that has a little bit more of a company budget, yeah, you're going to say, well, why would I want to buy a ticket if I don't even know what airline or where I'm connecting through? But, boy, if I have to get somewhere and price is the only thing stopping me, I'll you know, send me wherever you need to send me. Just get me there at a price I can afford. Two totally different reactions. That makes sense. You are exactly right because the product was never built for the business traveler, but the business community was the one saying, assessing, does this thing sound like it makes sense? So they were assessing a product they would never use. Now, Jeff, real quickly here, in Chapter 5 of Scale, Seven Proven Principles to Grow Your Business and Get Your Life Back, we, we talk in there about this idea of connecting the dots, of reading the world so that we're building for tomorrow's marketplace, not for yesterday's reality. Take, we've got about, about a minute and a half or so before we go to the next break here. Take a minute of that and share us what, what's that concept that you talk about in Chapter 5. Yeah, so very quickly, David, most people stare at their existing business and say, how do I make it better? Uh, the most innovative business owners look at the world around them outside of their industry and outside of their normal you know, window of vision and say, what is the rest of the world doing to make their business better to see if you can find a good idea that you would have never seen if you're constantly looking only inward at your existing business? <laughs> and it makes it dramatic, right? So we're not gonna we're not gonna make our our, our business, you know, how to run a doctor's office ten point one to ten point two to ten point three, but we're gonna actually say, hey, there's something they're doing pretty innovative over here in retail, or something they're doing really innovative in a, you know, when I go buy a car, that I can take that same idea and apply it, taking what's already in existence, just not in our industry. I love the idea from it, and I know you keep your little reading the world file. Absolutely. The, uh, you know, a, a very quick but very dramatic example, the drive-thru window at fast food restaurants was not invented by a fast food company. It was invented by a fast food employee who was driving around to see if banks had come up with any good customer service ideas. And he saw that bank, a bank that was building a drive through lane, and came back and brought that concept to the fast food industry. If he only ever looked at fast food, he never would have seen this innovation. And this is crazy because I think to myself how much time I spend in my, my narrow silo of a world, in my business, in my niche, in my industry, in my market. And yet one of the things you shared, and I, I look at this as a great lesson you've taught me, this idea that I need to get outside my world to see the broader things that are going on there, even though it's a little bit effortful at times, but it's a lot of fun. And now I can provide things that are breakthrough for my industry that are commonplace somewhere else. So. Thank you, Jeff, for that concept here. Now, coming up in the next segment, we're going to be talking about what was life like for you after you, 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 you had your successful exit. And we're going to talk for a business owner who successfully scaled their company. What does it actually mean and look like on the other side of scaling your company? So we're going to do that when we come back from the short break. I'm David Finkel, and this is Scale Your Business Radio on WSRadio.com, the worldwide leader in Internet talk. And we'll be back in just a short moment. 